Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. My name is Zach. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia called Calvary 316. If you're familiar with the area, we're specifically in the Winder area right off of Highway 316. If you're really local, uh, we kind of classify ourselves as being in Bethlehem, Georgia. I hope you stay with me, though, over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perceptions of Christians by boldly and brashly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. And that is sincerely my desire for the show. Uh, There are too many Christian voices that don't speak honestly about real things in a real way. And as a result, there's just so many negative perceptions of Christians. Christians are perceived as being dumb or, or, or illogical or not thoughtful or worse yet, judgmental. And yet all of these things you would never attribute to Jesus, and yet we're supposed to be reflecting him. Jesus spoke about real things to real people, but he did it in a real way, a really honest way. And that's kind of the, the whole vision, the theme uh, for this show. As such, uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd love, from, we'd love to hear from you, the audience. We'd love your questions. If something's said that you don't agree with, please call us, challenge us, email us. We want to hear from you. Topics, anything. Our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Uh, you can uh, join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. And then our Twitter handle is at radio underscore outlaw. All these ways you can connect with us and we can interact back and forth. If you're interested in having your question uh, played live on the air, call me, leave a voicemail, 678-883-3316. Once again, the phone number is 678-883-3316. Much to the chagrin of my producer. Keep your question pithy. He hates the word pithy. So I promised that that was the worst thing he could have ever done. Tell me he hated the word pithy. He said it sounded like a grandpa, but I like it. It's a cool word. So if you hate it, you can join him. Uh, Send me your hatred online. Just bring it. Love it. Anyway, today's show theme uh, is going to be a little different from the things that we've been doing. And uh, and we're not going to be able to kind of cover it all in one fail swoop, but I want to talk about the church. You, the listening audience, I don't know Uh, What church you go to, if you go to church, if you used to go to church, uh, if you're presently attending, I don't even know, for that matter, if you happen to be a Christian or not. But I I do want to take a moment and talk about church, church life, from a very real angle. And so even if if you're listening, you're like, I don't go to church, why do I care? No, I think you will, because I'm going to maybe talk about some things I might actually side with you on some things, uh, some of the, the reasons that church ends up being a turnoff to you. I think you might even find this uh, relatable. But beyond that, if you're looking for a church, I think that this might be helpful in helping you process some of the, the, the characteristics of a church you really uh, should plug into. The church. Church began in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, the day was Pentecost in Jerusalem. 120 of Christ's followers were gathered together in an upper room and were told that there was a rumbling as a mighty wind and the Holy Spirit was poured out. In response to this, a crowd gathered, just seeing all these different people proclaim the wonderful truths of God in in all different languages. It was a supernatural moment without a doubt. With a built-in crowd, the Apostle Peter, he stands up and he boldly preaches the gospel. He preaches Jesus, I mean, in a really radical, in-your-face type of way. In that moment, 3,000 souls were saved. In one day, the Christian church, the church of Jesus was born. The world has never been the same. We're also told later on that the Lord was adding to the church. Those daily who were being saved. That the church was experiencing incredible growth there in Jerusalem. Thousands of people were giving their lives to the Lord, forsaking all to follow Christ. We're being baptized in his name. We're becoming part of this unique community. But what's important and what I want to talk about is that in the book of Acts, as we look at the one church scripture describes the most, this first one, that there was both a how and a why to that church and how it grew. And both the how and the why were important. (laughs) I don't know 
if you can sympathize with this, but in America, we've seen a phenomenon over the last 50 years. It's called the megachurch. And, and as a result of the rise of the megachurch, church attendance uh, has become kind of the only way, it's viewed as the most effective and largely only way to evaluate whether or not a church is successful in ministry. How big the church is, we've decided how effective that church is. And yet, I, I, I hate that idea. <laughs> I pastor a church. Every single time I get together with my 85-year-old grandfather, every single time, first thing he asks me, how many people do you have coming to Calvary 316 now? As if how many people that were coming was the singular metric by which we could really judge the work God was doing in the hearts of the people. I just reject the notion that, that numbers are the end game. You know, numbers, we are a very re results-oriented culture. In the business community, it's all about the bottom line. We've carried that over into the church. Numbers are the end. Now, it, to be fair up front, numbers are, they are a, in some ways, tangible way to gauge success. There's an old saying that healthy sheep reproduce, that a church that the people are growing, they'll then replicate. They'll replicate. They'll buy into the vision, buy into the mission. They'll be taking the gospel out. People will be getting saved. The church will grow. That, that healthy sheep re reproduce. But, but the truth is church growth has become an obsession. Like the idea of just getting people in the doors of the church, if I can pull back the curtain a little from the pastoral world, like church growth more books are written about church growth. Like, like more ideas, more of our time is invested into solutions or ideas or programs, all with the goal of increasing church attendance. But you know, to be fair, numbers are a really tricky way of evaluating effectiveness. Like on, on one end, yeah, a, a growing church is a healthy church, but not always. Like, like there's nothing wrong with the desire to see a church grow. <laughs> It's actually nice when the church you're investing your life into is experiencing that growth. And yet the problem with obsession over numbers is that we've failed as a church, as a culture, church culture, to ask a very key and relevant question. Like, yes, church growth can be an indicator of a healthy church, but does church growth always guarantee health? Like, I'll give you an easy example to, to illustrate my point. I'm a big baseball fan. I love the Atlanta Braves. I've been a homer since I was born. I'm, my wife makes fun of me. I'm one of the few people that in September still watch the Braves every night, though they stink. And they've, they've been terrible for a few years now. Like, I'll watch the Braves all the way up to the last game of the season, and then I'll be super excited the season's over and immediately change my attention to how we're going to get better in the offseason. As a Braves fan, you're, you're, you're more excited about what moves will be made in the offseason than what the record is in the actual season. And yet, as a baseball fan, especially as a big fan in the, in the 90s, like the abuse of steroids and human growth hormone, it, like it was encouraged. The, the, the league turned an eye. People were getting bigger and stronger to hit more home runs. And yet, physical growth um, in a baseball player in and of itself, it can actually be detrimental to a person's health. Like, yes, while a church that's growing can be a healthy church, a church that's growing, if it's done artificially or the wrong way, it can actually be evidence that there's something terribly wrong with what's taking place. Like, think for just a minute of the complexity of relying on numbers as being the sole metric of a church. Think of it this way. Since a healthy church will always be a growing church, we can use numbers to measure success. However, since a growing church is not automatically guaranteed to be a healthy church, numbers can then be misleading. This is why you've got to look at the how a church is growing and the why that church is growing in order to evaluate health and then therefore determine a ministry's true effectiveness. Like numbers alone, it's, it's not enough. If you look back at the first church, the reality is that they were told how the church was growing. 
The book of Acts, we're told the Lord added to the church. This means numerical growth was seen as an indicator of health because Acts directly attributes the growth to Jesus. It was a work of Jesus. It wasn't a work of the church. It was supernatural. Like the church grew as a direct byproduct of of what Jesus was up to. (laughs) The truth is, is Acts 2 verse 43, we're told that fear came upon every soul because many wonders and signs were being done, catch this, through the apostles. Do you catch it? Like people in that community even recognized that the power of this church, it wasn't a program. It wasn't a charismatic personality. It wasn't a growth strategy. That church was growing for one reason. Something supernatural was happening. Something was happening through the people that were there, these apostles. Jesus was active. Like, I just want to ask you up front, and you should factor this in. If you're looking for a church, you should factor this in as you evaluate the church that you're presently attending. Like, do you honestly want to be a part of a work of man's ingenuity or a work produced through the direct supernatural involvement of Jesus Christ? I, I'm of the opinion, and this is one of the ways that we actually craft Calvary 316. Like, if, if, if you can't directly cite the growth of your church, if I can't to mine, If I can't cite that growth to a supernatural work of Jesus working through people filled with the Holy Spirit, then then honestly, why be involved at all? Like if if your church is is growing because of a work of a charismatic personality, why are you a part of, who cares? You're just a part of a big social club. Like like what's the point? Like now I'm not saying, and and please don't get me wrong. Let me me kind of temper this for a minute. I'm not saying that, that it's wrong for a church to employ strategies to to foster growth. Like I'm not saying that a church, that a church can't advertise, you know, or, or, or send out mailers. I mean, I get in the mail almost every other week, some type of an advertisement for a local mega church. And I'm not saying that that in and of itself is wrong. I'm not even saying that it's wrong for a church to lease a billboard, you know, on a highway 316. Like there's nothing wrong with looking for creative ways to spread the word not just about with the word of God, but, but even about just the work of that church. Like there's no, nothing wrong with letting people know in a public way that you're pretty stinking excited about what Jesus is doing in your church home. But here's the thing. All of these things should occur in moderation and with specific intention. Like, do, do you really want, and this is how I process things. Like, do you really want to be able to attribute the growth of your church to, let's say, a billboard? Like in having normal conversations with like, let's say a neighbor where your neighbor's like, man, your church is, it's blowing up. There's people going all over the place. And you'd be like, yeah, you know what? Man, we were really struggling, man. I mean, our church, we were on the ropes. Tithing wasn't very good. The pews were half empty. I mean, we were really struggling. We weren't sure if we were going to keep the doors open. And kind of like as a last Hail Mary, we bought this billboard and we put up an advertisement. And man, we've just taken off ever since. Like, like, do you really want to be able to like attribute what's happening as far as growth to a billboard or a mailer? Like I don't personally, I think a lot of millennials, like they don't want to either. Why? Cause it's not organic. It's not real. It's manufactured. It's corporate. <laughs> Beyond that, if you're sitting there thinking, well, my church has a billboard and uh, I don't really see anything wrong with that. Okay. Okay. I just want to ask you a simple question. Let's say you give your tithes and offerings to that church. I want you to, I want you to consider right now, like how much of your tithe, like, let's say you give a hundred dollars, how much of that hundred dollars do you want spent on a billboard as opposed to like feeding the poor or paying a pastor's salary or contributing to, you know, a ministry that's, 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 that's ministering to battered women or orphans. Like of your hundred dollars, how much are you comfortable of, of like what percentage of your money? Are you comfortable going to a billboard? And if you're like, ah, all of it, then more power to you. But for me, that that brings it home. Like how much of a budget should really go to advertising versus practical ministry? And, and don't, don't stick your head in the sand. If you have a billboard, and I'll just speak personally, a billboard on Highway 316, here, here where I am, it will run you $14,000 a year. Now, there's some churches that that's, that's pennies. Still, it's $14,000 a year. 
Like we're paying a salary, our church is, of a gentleman in Cuba who makes $30 a month. We're giving him 50 bucks a month. We're, we're more than doubling his salary for $50 a month, 600 bucks a year. $14,000 can go a long way to preaching the gospel versus a billboard. Like you have to consider why a church or, or excuse me, how a church is growing in order to determine health. You also, though, have to look at the why. Like, why is a church growing? The how's important, but the, but the why. Like, here's, here's one of the biggest issues I have with the whole idea that numerical growth should be the primary metric to judge a church's success. Here, here, here's why. There are churches with suspect methodology, theology, and leadership that grow to reach enormous numbers. There are churches that are not preaching the gospel, that are preaching heresy, that are, are de facto criminal organizations where the pastor is doing nothing more than laundering money. Truth. Just do a little research. And these churches grow to massive numbers. So if we're just looking at numbers to, to determine growth, and we see massive churches we know are not healthy, well, we got a problem. On the flip side to it, if you look at the Bible, you've got, think about Noah. Like Noah's in a unique position, right? God comes to Noah and fills him in on what's about to happen. It's still 120 years away, but God's going to destroy the whole world with a flood. Man's wicked. God's patience has run out. He calls and he commissions Noah, not just to build an ark to preserve him and his family and, and animals, but to also over those 120 years to preach the gospel. Noah preaches. This is what the Bible says. Noah preaches for 120 years. Do you know how many people converted? Absolutely no one. Now, if we were judging Noah, we'd said he's a total failure. As a matter of fact, he probably missed his calling, but we know he didn't. He had zero converts. Noah built a church, invited people for 120 years. Not a single person came in aside from his own family. Another easy example, Jeremiah, the prophet. He's got this really daunting task of being this prophet in Israel while the, 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 the Babylonian Empire are coming in. They're, they're going to sack Jerusalem. Judah, the southern kingdom, is going to fall. For 40 years, Jeremiah is called and commissioned to preach, to warn, to plead. 40 years. You know how many converts? Zero. Zero. Once again, we'd be like, Jeremiah, uh, I don't know what seminary you went to, but you should, you know, you should... You should go uh, sell state farm insurance. Like you've clearly missed the mark. No one's responding. Your church isn't growing. Like to contrast it, Jonah. Jonah hated his congregation, called to Nineveh, hated them, didn't want to go, resisted it, went kicking and screaming, shows up, has no pity, no compassion, only preaches that in 40 days they're going to die. Nineveh would be overthrown. He hates his congregation. He's not a good guy. He resists grace. He's, he's begrudging. He's angry. He's a bigot. And you know what happens? The greatest revival in all of human history, like one and a half million people there in Nineveh repent and get saved. Like Jonah had a terrible ministry, yielded great results. Like numbers. I look around and I see massive churches and I'm like, you know what? Just because they're big doesn't mean they're healthy or they're fulfilling the purpose of the church as Jesus intended. Lakewood Church, Joel Osteen, like they, they, they boast 43,000 attendees a weekend. World changers. Creflo Dollar, 15,000. You, you just go and you start looking down the largest churches in America. Like, like you can point out serious flaws in almost all of them. Like, like here's my point. When trying to wade through the complexities of evaluating a church by numbers, please consider whom are the membership roles increasing? Like who actually is going to these churches? Let me quickly recap. In trying to evaluate whether or not this church is effective, don't just look at the numbers. Look at two aspects of the numbers. One, how. How are the numbers increasing? If you can point it to anything other than Jesus and a work of his spirit through people, eh, be, sus be suspicious. 
The other thing is, is, is the why. Like, why is this church growing? Like, what's the mechanism? How and the why and with whom are the membership roles uh, increasing? Like, understanding who attends a church and why they're attending is just as important in determining whether a church is healthy or not as just looking at how many people show up. I, I want to describe three different types of churches that grow. I'm going to explain why they grow, how they grow. But, but I'm going to also kind of illustrate why this isn't good. Like, I, like I'm convinced, first, that there are churches experiencing growth because they've produced an environment that appeals to what I would just simply call experience junkies. Like, for the sake of illustration, I'm just going to refer to these churches as being the low-rise church and the leadership of these churches as dealers. Yes, I'm, I'm stealing analogies from the wire. An experience junkie is a person who craves above all else the chemical high caused by spiritual experiences. And as with all junkies, these people, you know what they do? They seek out good dealers who can provide whatever stimulant is required to make them feel good. Like if, if a dealer cooks up the right fix, as with any addict, the junkie keeps coming back for more. Like keep in mind, low-rise churches, oh, they're designed by very creative dealers. They're created to be a location where experienced junkies have to come for their next hit. This is how they do it. This is through the emotional stirring of music and oh, they've got great music. The stimulating awe produced by like cutting edge technology, screens and smoke machine, all these different things. The inspiration that gets yielded by a spiritual antidote. Like, like low-rise churches, they'll often throw in a social cause to make a junkie feel like, you know, they're making a difference. The low-rise church, you see, it's fundamentally designed by a dealer to leave the junkie with a sense of spiritual euphoria. <laughs> Should also be pointed out that as a matter of just wise business practices, you'll never find a dealer doubling as a moralist. Like as a matter of principle, a dealer will never feel a sense of obligation to notify his experience junkie that their behaviors maybe indicate a serious problem exists within their heart. One that, you know, may very well prove to be detrimental to long-term health and well-being. See, this is why the low-rise church, their service, their church service, it aims at really doing nothing more than this. Fostering spiritual highs while avoiding downers. You will never hear... One of these dealers, and this is how you know if you have a dealer and you're going to a, a, you know, a low-rise church, you'll never hear, hear a dealer addressing core problems, real things like sin, rebellion, judgment, conviction, consequences. You see, the low-rise church, man, they experience growth. Here's why. They feed the need of feeling spiritual while never ever addressing the reality of being spiritual. With this in mind, experienced junkies, like they're always looking to attend a church that's trending. They're always looking for the, the new, the most exciting place to be. They'll gravitate to whatever low-rise church is offering the newest dope or product. Though the low-rise church experiences growth, C can we just be honest for a minute and just admit that a church model with dealers as pastors facilitating experienced junkies as congregants, like that's hardly a remedy for genuine and lasting health. That's hardly the church that, that Jesus wants us to be, right? Like as with any junkie, you'll always find someone that can give you a, a chemical reaction to deal with, with kind of a normalization, new things, new hits, new ideas, constant changes in programs, heightened technology, new songs. This means, and know this, because, because all junkies, at some point, the chemical reaction will normalize and you'll be searching for something new. This is why whatever the low-rise church is doing to stimulate the audience, as soon as it's no longer doing it, they'll switch to something else, a new series, a new program. And you know, I've seen it. 
What happens next in such a church? It's really messy. An unsatisfied junkie will either demand that the dealer give him a new experience, which forces the dealer to cook up something fresh, something new, something more potent, or the junkie will leave. They'll leave the church in order to find a different dealer. Maybe the dealer that pastors the high-rise church. They're looking for a high. And as soon as you can't meet that high anymore, that dopamine hit, that, that surge of serotonin, they'll leave that church. You see these churches. Something will end up happening. That charismatic personality goes away. The church itself wises up, puts everyone through a detox, but people leave. They rise quickly and they fall harder. Now, that this is not the only type of church that experiences incredible growth, but one that isn't healthy. There are two others. For the sake of time, we're, we're running up against a hard break. So I, I want to encourage you to make sure that you don't go anywhere, that you stay with me, that you come back. We'll look at the other two before we wrap things up with, with some closing thoughts. But I just want to qualify one thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not hating on your church. Like that, that's not the intention of this show. Every church is flawed, and here's why. It's filled with flawed people. If you find a perfect church, please don't go to it, because you'll ruin it. Like, there is no perfect church. And yet, Jesus gave us a model in the book of Acts, very, a very clear model, with certain characteristics intrinsic to that model, so that the church would A, grow, but more importantly, it would be effective at impacting the community, that Jesus would find it to be an appropriate and useful vessel. Just being big can mean you're bloated. God wants his church to be useful, to be effective at equipping people for the ministry, for the point of fulfilling that ministry. As the, as the saint Francis of Assisi once prayed, our hearts should be to the Lord, make of me your hands and feet. Like we want to be to the people around us who you want us to be. Look at both the how a church is growing and then be honest why by looking at with whom that church is growing. Hey, don't go anywhere. Pastor Zach will be back in just a moment with the second half of today's edition of the Outlaw Radio Show. He'll continue talking about church by numbers. Thanks for sticking with us here for the Outlaw Radio Show. Now, here's Zach with part two of this edition. He's talking about church by numbers. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm Zach Adam. I'm glad that you're with us. We're talking about church growth. We're talking about the importance of really examining how a church is growing. Do, do you want a church? Do you want to be a part of a church that's growing? because of some advertisement campaign or ingenuity of man or charismatic personality or, or like the church in the book of Acts, do you want the growth of your church, the church you're a part of, or the church that you're looking to maybe be a part of, do you want it to be only attributed to a work of Jesus? Calvary 316, uh, yes, we put a lot of energy into our multimedia and our web presence, Facebook, Twitter, etc. But, but let me tell you one of the things we, we don't do. We don't engage in big advertisement campaigns. And I've been encouraged to. Zach, if we could just do this, if we could just get this mailer, the church would just take off. If we just rented a billboard, if, if we did this, if we did that. And my, and my reaction really comes back to, I don't want to be able to say our church started growing because of any of those things. Like, I want to be a part of something that, that was clear, clearly not a work of me or any other man, but Jesus. Good grief, we're tucked back into a, a, an industrial park. Like you can't find our church unless the Holy Spirit leads you there. And I think that there's something cool with that, something authentic with that, something genuine with that. Big bloated churches spending so much money on advertisement and all these gimmicks to increase attendance. There's, there's nothing authentic to that. And if you're like me, maybe that, maybe that resonates. Like, I want to be a part of something that's real, something that's not conjured. 
but it's it's a truth that that we can employ strategies to increase attendance, the how. But but we also have to look in determining health. We've got to look at why a church is growing. And to do that, you have to look who is the church growing? Like what what is the church designed to do? Who is it designed to appeal to? What is this what is the strategy? And I mentioned that there's three different types of churches. First, we've already discussed it, but just quickly recapping, there's what what I call the low-rise church. And the low-rise church is pastored by dealers who appeal to experienced junkies. The experienced junkie is someone that that's that wants to feel spiritual. They, 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 they crave the, the spiritual and the emotional high without actually being challenged to be spiritual. You'll never hear a dealer talk about real things in these churches. Tough things like hell or sin, judgment, conviction, repentance. The whole model is just, it, it's just facilitating the next hit, providing the next high, getting people addicted to that. But I'm also convinced that there are churches experiencing incredible growth because they've produced an environment that appeals to the runaway. Like once again, for the sake of illustration, I'm just going to refer to these churches as brothels, the brothel church. And the leadership, their pastors as pimps. Like in most instances, a brothel, like in the real world, like a brothel, a brothel only exists as a matter of last resort. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I have to articulate that. I think if I did, I'd probably get into trouble. But, but you, you get it. It's, a brothel is a place of last resort. Like, it's the last place you can go to get something. You know what I mean? But here you have a pimp. And, and a pimp is always in charge of not caring about the long-term health or prognosis of those who come to him. Like, no pimp is, is that concerned about the person but the pimp kind of exists for one reason. He wants the people there to facilitate what, what becomes, or at least is pitched, as a mutually beneficial temporary solution. You know, it's interesting, but, but the brothel church, they're successful, and here's why. They create the perfect environment for people to escape from accountability. Like These are people that, that don't want authority. They leave the church that they're at because that church is trying to hold them accountable or that there's some authority that they just don't want to submit to. And so they run. They run from that church, but they need some place to land. The brothel church, the place of last resort. And because this is the case, the brothel church appeals. It's filled with malcontents, lots of malcontents, who find it easier, and catch this out, they find it easier to run away from problems as opposed to addressing them head on and in a biblical way. And pimps, they're not going to challenge you to address your real problems. They're going to facilitate a new environment, a new culture. Like these runaways tend to be people who seek to be accepted as they are rather than being challenged to become something better. Since the brothel church will really accept anyone without preconditions and will allow that person to kind of do whatever they want as long as their service is equally beneficial to the pimp. By design, a brothel church, this is who it appeals to. It's ideal for the no one has the right to tell me what to do. And a pimp's not going to tell someone what to do as long as what they're doing is mutually beneficial, right? Though the brothel church, they do. They experience growth. <laughs> Isn't it also true that a church model that has pimps enabling runaways is hardly what we would say a remedy for health. Like that that's a, a brothel's a healthy environment. Like it doesn't take a rocket science to realize that a church filled with people running from their issues is hardly a remedy for success. Tragically, the, uh, the brothel church ends up being nothing more than like a cesspool of hurting, damaged people, serving the needs of a pimp while never really receiving care themselves. Yeah the brothel church. It gives a person on the run a place to go. And a pimp will accept them just the way that they are. But you know, it's true that the best place for a runaway is often to go home and face the very thing that they were running from in the first place. Facilitating someone escaping is hardly caring for that person or their well-being. 
One of the things we want to accomplish with Outlaw Radio is to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then seek answers on their own. The sad truth is that there are many Christians walking around representing Jesus with literally no clue why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to our show tackling the tough topics you might not hear on Sunday at church, we want to equip you, inspire you, and challenge you to study God's Word and wrestle with these challenging topics on your own. To aid you in this process, we want to share a resource we find incredibly valuable. Check out blueletterbible.org. In addition to a treasure trove of free commentaries, blueletterbible.org has an incredible word search function as well as the ability to dive into the original language behind a text. Basically, blueletterbible.org simplifies the process where you can study the Bible on your own. So, so you have the low-rise church, experienced junkies, dealers. You have the brothel church, runaways and pimps. And finally, I'm convinced that there are churches experiencing explosive growth because they've produced an environment that appeals to just everyone. For illustrative purposes, let's refer to, to this church as the circus church and the leadership that run them as the ringmasters. You know, it's a, it's a tragedy Barnum Bailey Circus is done. It's gone. But, but we take our kids to the local fairground when the circus comes in town. And at the opening of a circus, the ringmaster, what does he do? The ringmaster enters the arena, and this is what he declares. Come one, come all. Like the ringmaster's job is to ensure that everyone attending the circus feels welcome and is comfortable. <laughs> the sad reality is many of the largest churches in America share that identical philosophy. Specifically, in order to appeal to a wider array of the population, these circus churches focus their attention on everyone who attends, leaving the event on Sunday morning, having nothing more than a non-threatening, entertaining, positive experience. Though the ringmaster of the circus church might teach the Bible, he'll never teach the Bible. He'll teach from the Bible, but he'll never teach the Bible, it might be a verse or a story or a nugget. You see, as a matter of practicality, the ringmaster will refrain from addressing doctrinal issues. And here's why. He fears being divisive or intolerant. Like, like the ringmaster will intentionally minimize moral stances, clear moral stances in Scripture because he fears offending the audience, alienating people who are there. Instead, the ringmaster, their sermonettes, their topical messages, they, they, he preaches universal antidotes. Things we all can agree upon and get along with. Things like love and peace. Ways to improve oneself. And the circus church, the two-dimensional perspective of absolute truth, it's replaced with a unitarian kaleidoscope of being non-judgmental. And as such, it makes the circus church the perfect location for this type of person. Jesus loves me just the way that I am. It's true he loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you enough to try to make you into something else. He loves you enough not to leave you that way. This is why the circus church, they always refrain. And, and you'll know if you attend for long, they will always refrain from taking foundational moral stances because they're hoping to create an umbrella that's large enough for everyone to come together comfortably. Though the circus church probably experiences the greatest growth of all, isn't it true, though, that a church model that has a ringmaster attempting to appeal to everyone is hardly a remedy for health? Like, like understand this, the, the Unitarian message of a ringmaster, it attracts an interesting mixture of people. On one end, the circus church will attract spiritual children who'd rather eat cotton candy than ever grow up to real spiritual maturity. But they'll also appeal, they create the perfect environment for unbelievers desiring religious experience without religious conviction. Let me tell you how you know you go to a circus church. Like, sure, they'll always reject the initial notion that they attract spiritually immature people. 
But you know, I've actually heard the ringmasters, these pastors boast. This is what they boast about. They boast about how many unbelievers attend their Sunday morning service. As if the church that Jesus created was designed for unbelievers as opposed to believers. You know, for for ringmasters, it's a badge of honor that non-Christians feel comfortable within the walls of their circus church. You see, while the low-rise church, the brothel church, the circus church, their pastors, dealers and pimps and ringmasters, they've got a scheme. And man, does their scheme draw a crowd. But can we be honest that looking who and why, man, these churches are far from healthy. Neither of these three dynamics experience junkies or runaways or like this Unitarian everyone feeling good about about each other like that. That's not the church Jesus created and that's not a remedy for success or health. You see, what we find in Acts, it, it stands in direct contrast. Not only was this church growing numerically, but we know the growth was evidence of health because of both the how and the why. These things were correct. The Lord added to the church the how. Those, check this out, who were being saved, the why. You see, the church in Acts was not a low rise where junkies came for spiritual highs or a brothel where people could run away from their issues, nor was this a church where uh, that was a circus tent open for everyone to come and feel welcome and comfortable. No, 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 no. The church in Acts was a place where those who were being saved, being saved where? Being saved outside of the church could come to the church for this purpose to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And how are we told this happened in the book of Acts? You see, you know you're part of a healthy church when you find these four things as foundational. In Acts 2.42, we're told that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They taught God's word. Not from it, they taught all of it, the whole counsel of God, and they had fellowship. It's kind of a lame word. In the Greek, it's koinonia. It means life-sharing. There was something genuine and authentic, living life together. We're also told that it was the, they had the breaking of bread, which was communion. And then we're told that, that they prayed in prayers. It meant that they worshiped as one, declaring with one voice to God. Hey, don't go anywhere. I have a few closing thoughts to this idea. If you're in Georgia listening right now in the greater Athens area, and you don't have a church home, we encourage you to check out the church that Zach Adams pastors, Calvary 316. Not only would you be hard pressed to find a collection of people more real and genuine about their Christian experience, but the entire outlaw radio culture of grace flows out of the ministry of Calvary 316. Keep in mind, Calvary 316 is a church that's relaxed and uber contemporary, but is unapologetically believer-focused. We focus our service on teaching the Bible in order to see Christians grow and mature in their faith. To learn more about the church community or to access Zach's sermon media, please visit calvary316.com. Once again, that's calvary316.com. Before we get back to today's episode, there's one thing I want you, the listening audience, to know. At the very end of this show, uh, our producer, his name is Josh, he makes an appeal that with any ministry, there are expenses involved. And he kind of frames it in the sense of, you know, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. But if you are, and the Lord lays it on your heart to extend generosity above and beyond your tithe, to consider Outlaw Radio. And I just want to just take a second here and absolutely reiterate that personally, from me to you, we don't need your money. God has plenty of resources and Outlaw Radio's ministry, if God is in it, he'll provide for it. And if he's not, well, he won't. Where God guides, God provides. If you'd like to give, fantastic, but please don't feel any pressure to do so. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm Zach Adams. We're talking about church growth. If, you, if you've missed, if you're just now tuning in, you've missed uh, this particular episode, I encourage you to go to our website, which is outlawradio.org, 
and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, all of these episodes, uh, along with a lot of the, the other things that Outlaw Radio provides, it's, it's all podcasted. It's all there for free. So if you're just tuning in, this is kind of the end of the show, some closing thoughts, but you can catch back up if what you find is interesting on all the things that we've done, including uh, this particular uh, episode. As I close, numbers. Just because a church is exploding, growing at the seams, has tons and thousands of people coming, doesn't mean it's a healthy church. It doesn't mean that the Lord is the one that's adding. It can be made up. It can be manufactured. It can be unauthentic. It can be a work of man and not a work of the man, Jesus Christ. But also, if you're going to a church, I, I really want you to, to take heart at, at kind of the application of all these things. Like, look around on Sunday. Like, like, who's really attending? And what are they really being given? That'll tell you a lot. <laughs> you have low-rise churches that exist for those experienced junkies that just want a high, a spiritual high. Their pastors are dealers, simply providing the next fix. You also have brothel churches, and their pastors are pimps, and they appeal to the runaways. They're not actually trying to encourage these people to deal with real issues. They're just facilitating an escape. Then you also have circus churches where everyone, the ringmaster, these pastors, come on, come all. We avoid uh, any type of, of, of biblical idea, homosexuality, things of this nature, anything that might d divide us or, or, or that we might end up being accused of intolerance, just so everyone can feel comfortable. But make, make no bones about it. Like, you should want to see your church grow. I want to see mine. But it's important that the church grow the right way. Or what are we doing? Like in the book of Acts, the Lord added. It was something Jesus accomplished. He was adding daily those who were being saved. Like, instead of trying to make church growth happen, our focus should be on the why it should happen. Like, the church shouldn't care about the numbers. On Sundays, I could care less who comes to Calvary 316. Honestly, how many people come to Calvary 316? My job isn't the people who aren't there. My job is to faithfully serve and equip and pastor those who are. The church gets so focused on reaching people that aren't there that we subsequently fail to minister to those that are in our pews. We should be committed to teaching the Bible and living life together and spending time at the table in communion. We should pray together and worship God in one voice. We should be a place that Jesus knows that those he adds, those who are being saved, will be equipped and encouraged. You see, if your church teaches the whole Bible, the experienced junkie is not going to find them as exciting as the low-rise church. If you teach the Bible the runaway... They won't be accepted either. They'll be challenged. Everyone? Well, the word of God is a sharp, two-edged sword. You know, if, if those things in your church, if your church teaches the Bible and, and your church isn't growing, take heart. It's a healthy church. Like There might be shortcuts to increase church attendance, but, but don't mistake, there is no shortcut to the development of a healthy church. No, no shortcut. My final exhortation. Don't find, don't attend a church that just tickles your ears. Find a church that teaches God's word faithfully, that challenges you to grow experientially, that provides you a place where the spirit exists, one that your faith can increase. Don't just go because it's the most exciting place to be. Grow because the Lord is adding those who are being saved. That's what you should be a part of. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. If you like what you've heard, please check out our website, outlawradio.org. Please connect with me on Twitter or find me on Facebook. We'll see you next week. been listening to the one and only outlaw radio show with zach adams as mentioned if you like what you heard be sure to connect with us on facebook 
Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you if you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.